Welcome to Profit and Prosper, a podcast for entrepreneurs who are ready to make some money while doing what they love. On this podcast, we're going to pull back the curtain and talk about all things business and money, but I promise you this is not your typical boring numbers talk. I'm your host, Sarah Young, a CPA and CFO with over a decade of experience in finance, business, and leadership. I'm going to share everything I've learned from helping my clients grow more profitable businesses and keep more of what they earn while growing my own successful business along the way. You'll feel empowered and confident that you too can grow your wealth, live a rich life, and have an impact. Stick with me and you might even start to think that finance is fun. Let's dive in. Welcome back, y'all, to this week's episode. So we are going to continue the conversation about how to build your net worth. So last week, we talked about how you can calculate your personal retirement number and why that is so important for the business decisions that you make. This week, I want to continue the theme and talk about some tactical tips for building your net worth. And these are the tips that I work through with our clients. Like this is my brain, how I walk people through step-by-step what I would prioritize based on where you are in your business. So we'll talk about what you should be prioritizing to build your net worth based on where you are in business and what you can do to build your net worth, even if you're not paying yourself regularly or if you have a lot of debt We'll talk about how I allocate cash for investments with my tax and CFO clients, the investments that I generally recommend, including how to balance investment choices based on your goals, like your retirement age goal and taxes too. So it's going to be a really good episode. And really quickly, if you are enjoying the podcast, I mean, getting a lot of messages lately from people saying, this is a great episode. That was a great episode. If you are enjoying the podcast, please consider sharing the episode with any of your business friends, share it on your Instagram, Um, give me a review on Apple Podcasts, or I think even Spotify Podcasts now allow you to leave reviews. I just want to make sure that I'm able to share the financial knowledge with more business owners. Okay, so more business owners like you. So please consider giving me a review or sharing with your friends. It would mean the world to me. Okay. So let's first revisit the stages of business that we first talked about way back in episode 20. So in episode 20, I talked about how you go through stages in business, and that includes stabilizing, that includes protecting your business or securing your financial situation, and then growing your business and building your wealth. I actually have a quiz that based on the stage of business you're in, I will tell you what to do to increase your overall profitability so that you can increase your net worth. So based on the stage, I have very specific tips. So there's an eight question quiz at profitandprosper.co forward slash quiz. Answer the eight questions. I will tell you what stage of business you're in, and then I will give you three CFO tips for increasing your profits and your net worth. So go check that out because it goes into more detail on the stage that you specifically are in. And then make sure you look at episode 20 or go listen to episode 20 for a little bit more of a deep dive into the stages. Based on where you are, like what are the tactical investments you should make? 
Okay. So first I want to talk about the difference between traditional investing, what we think about when we think about investing, and what I call a net worth goal. Your net worth is a function of the assets that you own minus the liabilities that you have. So if you think about your personal net worth, that would include your assets, which might be your retirement accounts, your brokerage accounts, the cash in your bank account and your savings account. Those are all assets. Could also include if you own real estate, the value of the property. Quick caveat, I tend to exclude my personal residence when I'm thinking about my net worth because to me, my personal house is not there to fund my retirement. My house is there for me to live in. So I don't really consider my house when I'm thinking about my net worth. Back to your assets. You'll also have potentially, in addition to real estate, like if you have rental properties, um, you also potentially have value in your business. So we've talked about before selling your business and what you, you know, you could potentially sell your business down the road for money. And so like for me, because that's an option on the table for well down the road, but, um, you know, for me, what I think about is what is the value of my business now? And that's a function of my profits, right? So I don't want to go too deep into the rabbit hole of business valuation right now, but you do have an asset if you have a business that generates profit, right? That generates cash flow. That is an asset. On the other hand, you have your liability. So this is any debt that you have. So think about, you know, your mortgage, your car payments, credit cards, student loans. Think about if you have a lot of business debt, um, you know, you might include that in your liabilities too. I tend to, in my head at least, I separate out my personal assets and debt from my business debt, my business assets and debt. But when I think about my business value overall, I think is the value of my business. If I sold my business today, would I get enough money to pay off all of the debt in my business and still have money left over? And the money left over is my asset in my head. Okay. If it's too complicated for you to include your business value, then don't worry about it right now. Okay. So I want you to understand that your goal is to increase your net worth. And so I get a lot of pushback when people are, you know, in a position where they're not paying themselves a salary regularly, or they have a lot of debt. They're like, well, how can I invest if I'm, you know, in this position? And the answer that I have is, if you pay down debt or if you're able to start paying yourself a salary so that you don't incur more debt to live off of or you don't have to draw down your savings to live off of, that you are also increasing your net worth and you're also working towards a net worth goal, right? So increasing your net worth, yes, does include investing, but it also includes paying off debt, or stopping the negative drawdowns from your savings account, right? That also increases your net worth. So know that if you're working on these goals, you are taking a step forward, so don't discount yourself, okay? So I want you to think about how can you always be working toward a net worth goal, even if it's only $50 a month, right? $50 a month put into a savings account to build up an emergency fund, an extra $50 put to pay down a high interest debt, um, or an extra $50 into a retirement account, all of those things count as building your net worth. So how can you always be doing that? Even if your business is barely generating, it's generating enough of a profit just so you can pay yourself a salary. 
Can you allocate $50 toward a net worth goal, whatever that is? So something that I teach in my program, Profit and Prosper, and this is something I also work through with clients, is what I call a wealth ladder. And so thinking about like what steps do you need to go through in your business to build your wealth and what do you prioritize? And so I won't, I don't have time to go into the weeds on the whole thing, but let's talk high level. The first thing that I always want people to do, like I've already, I've said many, many times, is get cash flow positive. Get your business to where it generates enough cash flow so that you are cash flow positive in your business, meaning you have enough revenue coming in to cover all of your expenses and pay yourself a salary and cover your taxes, of course. And then you're paying yourself enough of a salary so that personally you are also cash flow positive. Right. So getting to a place where like if you if you're not paying yourself enough on your business, you are either living off credit cards or you're drawing down on a savings account. Right. If that is happening to you, we need to make sure we stop the bleeding first. So figure out how to do that is always step one. So get cash flow positive. Then what we want to do is build up your reserves, build up your cash cushion, right? Make sure you have an emergency fund so that if something happens both in your business and your personal life, you don't have to go into debt or sell off your investments to keep living your life and paying your bills, right? So if you don't have even a basic personal emergency fund, like of at least $1,000, probably $1,000, give or take, I would focus on saving that up because here's the thing. I find that when I am more anxious about my personal financial situation, that anxiety carries over into my mindset in my business and it impacts how I show up in my marketing, how I show up in my sales calls, how I talk to my clients. I feel more needy and more stressed about making the sale, right? And that's not a place that anybody wants to be to have a successful business. Put a few things in place to get yourself just taken care of at a basic level and you will be set up for so much more success in your business, I promise you. So you want to build up your cash cushion. And I always say, have a business cushion of at least two to three months of expenses set aside in a business savings account. And this is in cash, right? Also have at least, I would say, six months of an emergency fund for your personal needs. And if you're married, this is you combined, right? How much do you need to pay all of your bills for six months? Have that in cash in another savings account. My my savings, my personal savings, we have at Ally Bank because they have a high yield savings account. They also allow you to have different buckets in your savings account. Super quick plug, I'm not, they don't know who I am. But I like Ally because you can have one account, but multiple buckets. So I have like a bucket for my emergency fund. I have a bucket for, I want to like put some money into our house this year to like buy some new furniture. Like I'll save up for that. I have a bucket for my lake house. I have a bucket for buying a new car, like stuff like that. You can create different buckets. If you're enjoying my podcast, then you are going to love my exclusive weekly email series, Profit and Prosper Millionaire Mondays. As a business owner, you have limitless potential for the amount of cash flow you can create in your business, but your journey to building wealth might not feel all that straightforward. To convert your cash flow into real wealth, you need to do a bit of planning and strategizing so that you can be wealthy and be well. 
reaching financial independence, and eventually retiring or relaxing early at your lake house, which is my plan. In my Millionaire Mondays email series, I share tactics and strategies for using your business to generate your first million dollars in net worth in the same approachable way that you get in the podcast. Sign up for my exclusive emails for free at profitandprosper.co forward slash millionaire. So have a personal emergency fund. I always say six months. Some people say three months, but here's the thing especially relevant right now in when this episode comes out, it'll be July, 2022. That'll be a few weeks from now. I don't know at what point, like what will be going on, but what has been happening more recently is stock markets tanking. Inflation is crazy. Gas is crazy. And everybody's saying we're going into a recession. So I imagine that will still be true in a couple of weeks. And so if we go into a recession or when we go into a recession, you want to make sure you have cash on hand in order to be able to pivot. If something happens in your business and your sales drop for a few months, would you make it? If, you know, you're married and you rely on your spouse's income and they lose their job, would you make it, right? Have emergency funds. And so if you don't have this built up, work on it right? Again, even if it's $50 a month, that's $50 a month saved that you didn't have before. It's better than $0. The next thing I would say is pay down debt. So there's always a balance. And so it's not necessarily a linear path from like doing your savings and paying down debt. Sometimes I would say if you have high interest debt, like interest of seven to 10% or more, this might be credit card debt, which can be 20%. Um, or it could be student loans, depending on where they are, pay that off first, right? Build up just even a minimum emergency fund and then plow your extra money at that high interest debt because having anything of with interest of 10% or more is killing your cash flow. The reason that we focus on high interest debt before the low interest debt is, let me use an example of my mortgage, We have a mortgage rate of 1.99%, which is crazy low. (laughs) We got it in the middle of, I think, 2020 or 2021 when interest rates were super low, and that's locked in. I am not going to necessarily prioritize paying off my mortgage super quickly over investing in, you know, stocks, for example, that'll give me a return of 7% because I compare that 7% return to my mortgage rate of 2%. And I'm going to get more return if I invest and get the 7% in returns versus paying off debt that costs me 2%. So you have to think about high interest debt, focus on that first, and then we balance the low to medium interest debt with your investment goals, okay? So pay off your debt and that goes for personal or business. Then we invest. So when you don't have high interest debt, That's not to say that you can't invest in things, and we'll talk about some things you can also invest in as you're paying off debt. I would just prioritize the super high interest debt before um, investing a ton, okay? And here's what I'll say too. Know that if you have a lot of debt, if you have a lot of accounts at different places, you can go to a bank and ask them if they will do a consolidation loan for you. So I actually did this I'm going to talk in a later episode about my whole money story, but just really quickly, there was a point when I was 
in about $55,000 of debt. And I had a student, I had maybe two student loans and then I think three or four credit cards. Like I have to tell this story one day, y'all, just so you know that even me, like a finance person, like I did not always have my shit together. Okay. But what I did is I had my student loans. I had two different student loans and I went to another student loan bank and I said, Hey, can we consolidate these into one loan payment at, and I got a better interest rate. Okay. So I was able to consolidate, get a, get a better payment and get a better interest rate. And just having the one loan payment instead of the two loan payments helped my just mindset a ton. Okay. I also had like three or four credit cards. I kid you not, because I kept doing the like free balance transfer thing. This is like a whole story for another day. And I went to a credit union where I had an account at the time and I asked them, hey, can I consolidate, get a a loan, a personal loan to consolidate all these credit cards at a much better interest rate and a one monthly payment instead of trying to juggle four. And they also did that. And that was amazing. And then I also have clients, so business clients who come on and they have been cash flow negative for so long in their business that they've got multiple loans outstanding. And this is something that is sometimes harder to do, to be honest, for businesses, but um, is still possible to work with the bank to get a consolidation loan for all of your business debt too. Okay. So if this is you, consider getting, working with the bank to consolidate your debt payments into one payment, hopefully at a better interest rate. And I promise that will lighten the load a ton. I didn't really mean to go down the rabbit hole of debt, but I felt like that's important because I know a lot of you listening do have some debt and it's important to manage that. All right. So then your last part is to invest. And when I say invest again, this is anything that increases your net worth. And so this could mean putting money into retirement accounts, buying real estate. It could also mean investing in your business to grow faster. If one of your strategies is to have your business generate cash flow without you directly having to do the work, or if one of your strategies is to sell your business one day, then if you are able to invest in something in your business, like in improving your sales process to make more higher ticket sales, to grow your team so that you can take on more clients or whatever that is, that can totally count as a net worth goal. But we can talk about this in another podcast episode. There is a difference in just spending all your money in your business and actually investing, okay? But know that that can also be a choice. And so I will tell you that in the last year, my husband and I, we have put some money into our investment accounts, but I have taken a lot of the profit in my business and I have turned back around and invested that in building out my team and working on my sales and marketing strategy because I want to grow my business and I know that I can grow it faster if I do those things. But these are intentional investments that I expect to get a return on in the next couple years, right? Really starting at the end of this year because I have put a lot of those pieces into place already. And so that was an intentional choice. And my husband, it was like one of the sweetest things he's ever said to me in a, an entrepreneur way, he said, I think that the best thing we can put our money into right now is you. 
growing your business because I think we'll get a better return off of you growing your business than anything else we could possibly invest in at the time. And I was like, oh, that's so sweet. But also, not to toot my own horn, kind of true because I have big goals for my business and I know I can achieve them, okay? So let's talk about what to do if you are in different situations and you feel like you can't grow your net worth. And then I want to talk about some tactical investments I like and how tax plays in and all of this stuff. Okay. So if you are not paying yourself regularly, then you need to focus on increasing your cash flow in your business so you can pay yourself a CEO salary and start to make contributions to some of the easier investments I'm going to talk about, like an IRA and an HSA. If you are in debt, get to a place where you can pay yourself a CEO salary. I feel like a broken record, y'all. Pay yourself a CEO salary so you don't incur more debt, and then build up a minimum emergency fund to cover those oh shit moments. Maybe it's $1,000. I'm just throwing a number out. You know what would make you feel comfortable. And then plow your money at your high interest debt first and use some of the tips I talked about a little bit ago, get a consolidation loan, see if that's possible to make it easier to pay off your debt. When you get to a place where you are paying yourself a CEO salary, can I tell you how many people I have seen who hoard their money in their business bank accounts because they don't know what to do with it? I'm actually gonna give you a quick example from one of my tax clients. So she is a newer tax client started her business in 2021, so it's going into year two, made a ton of money in her business in year one, and is going to make even more money in her business in year two. And when I first sat down with our for our first like tax planning and strategy session, we pulled up her QuickBooks and she had like $75,000 hoarded in her bank account. I actually have another new client coming on who said, yeah, I have $125,000 in my bank account. Okay, y'all. With inflation right now in 2022, I think the last report that came out said inflation is at 8% for the last year. That is killing the value of your cash, right? And so I think it's important, yes, to have some emergency savings sitting in cash because you don't want to, let's say, invest that cash into the stock market and then have it tank and then you have to draw it out because it's your emergency fund and you lock in that loss. (laughs) But don't have excess cash sitting on hand if you can avoid it, okay? Because inflation is killing the value of your cash. If you have $75,000 that's been in your bank account for the last year, that has lost 8% of its value, which is probably like six to $7,000. Like six to $7,000 you have lost in value because you didn't invest it, okay? So if you ha- if this is you, if you're able to pay yourself a CEO salary, then we need to think about investing, all right? And so this client who had 75 grand in her bank account, what did we do? We opened up a business savings account. We calculated what's two to three months of expense to set aside. We put that over there. She hadn't made tax payments for the year, so we calculated what her um, year-to-date tax amount would need to be, and we put that money into her tax savings account. Then we looked at her personally and said, okay, you're mostly covered on your personal emergency fund, so we don't need to fund that, but we would have if we needed to. And then we said, okay, so you have, after doing all this, $25,000 left. What are you going to do with it? 
This is when we sit down and we go through these investments that I like to make. And I sort of like to start people off. If people come to me and all they have, like in this client's case, they had her husband's um, 401k and maybe a life insurance policy that I won't go off on life insurance salesmen again, but they had a life insurance policy and that was it in terms of investments. And so here's sort of the hierarchy of investments I like people to go through. Before we talk about specific investments that I like, investment accounts, I want to put in a plug for if you do not have retirement accounts or any sort of investment accounts already, do yourself a favor and go open an account at a place like Fidelity or Vanguard. Honestly, I like these two banks because they have a ton of investment options. They have things with really low fees. It make it they make it really easy for regular people like you and I to go and manage our own money. I personally have all of our investment accounts at Fidelity. And so that includes my um, old employee. When I was an employee, I had 401ks. I rolled that over into IRAs that sit at Fidelity. I have our brokerage accounts for my husband and I at Fidelity. I have my business retirement account also at Fidelity. I have my son's. We have a custodial brokerage account for him and a 529 also at Fidelity. And so literally y'all have an app on my phone. I pull it up and I have all of my assets at Fidelity. It makes it super easy to manage all in one place. So if you don't have retirement accounts, step one would be go to open one. So the first investment I like to have people make is into a traditional or Roth IRA. And the reason I like this is because it's super easy. Anybody can have an IRA, whether you're a business owner or employee. And it's a really nice way to start dipping a toe for people who have only ever had a 401k at work. Um, it's a nice way to dip into retirement savings. So traditional IRAs are where you put money into the account pre-tax, meaning you get a tax deduction in this year for up to $6,000 of a contribution. There are income limits. So if you make more than $78,000 if you're single or $129,000 if you are married, then you cannot get the deduction for the traditional IRA contribution you can still make a contribution, it's just not deductible. I also really like Roth IRAs. And so similarly, you can put $6,000 into a Roth IRA, but you put the money into the Roth after tax. So you already have paid the money on the $6,000 and you put the money into the Roth, you don't get a deduction now, but the reason I like it is when you go to take the money out later on, all of the money is tax-free meaning even the earnings on the money you put in, you do not pay taxes on. So if you have this money sitting in there for a long time and it compounds over and over again, you can build up a large balance. You don't pay tax on it when you take it out. Also, little known fact, if you put money into a Roth IRA and leave it in for at least five years, then you can take the money out that you have put in, not the earnings on that money, but the principal that you have put in, you can withdraw it tax-free and penalty-free as long as it's in for at least five years. Little known fact. And I'll talk about why this is important later. 
Um, you can, okay, so income limits really quickly. If you make over $144,000 if you're single or $214,000 if you're married, you cannot make a direct Roth IRA contribution. However, for my tax clients and CFO clients who have income over that level, what we do is called a backdoor Roth, meaning I'll explain this quickly. You can go Google it more later, but I like to do this because you can take advantage of the benefits of the Roth IRA, even though um, you're over the income limit. So what you do is you put $6,000 into a traditional IRA. You don't get to take the deduction because you're over the income limit, right? Then what you do is you convert that money into a Roth account. So you have to contribute to the traditional and then convert it over. And because you didn't pay tax, you already, you didn't get the deduction on the traditional IRA when you put it in. When you convert it to the Roth, you're not gonna pay tax on it again because you've already paid the tax, right? The caveat is if you have an IRA, if you have a traditional IRA or a SEP IRA, there are tax implications, which is why I think it's important if you're gonna do stuff like this to have a tax person work with you. But a backdoor Roth is great. And here's why I like Roth accounts, especially if you have lower income in your business. I would put as much money as I can into a Roth account because of the tax benefits. So if you are in a lower income tax bracket, so let's say if you are in the like 12% bracket. So let me actually pull up the brackets so I can tell you the right percentages. So the federal income tax brackets, again, without going into great detail on income tax, they go from 10% to 12% to 22% and 24% and then up into the 30s. Generally, I would say if you are in the 10 or 12% bracket, absolutely put money into a Roth account because your taxes are super low right now if you're in those brackets. I also like to recommend this depending on the client for people who are in the 22 and 24% bracket, also depending on your state income tax rates. Like if you're in California where the tax rate's like 13%, maybe this doesn't apply. But 22 and 24% in the grand scheme of things, if we look at federal tax rates over history, 22 and 24% is actually really low. <laughs> and so if we get into a place later on where tax brackets are increased again, which they were prior to 2017, then you would actually benefit by making a Roth contribution now when tax rates are low. So there's lots of benefits of the Roth. And I think if you can do a backdoor Roth, if you're over the income limit, this could also be great for you. The other investment account that I really like is HSAs. So HSAs are health savings account accounts. And little known fact about an HSA is you can invest HSA money into stocks and bonds and index funds just like you can a retirement account. So an HSA comes with most high deductible health plans. And so I will tell you, my family and I, we have a high deductible health plan because we don't have a lot of medical bills. We're relatively, or we're actually really healthy. We don't have to go to the doctor that often. So we don't have a lot of medical costs, which is why we're comfortable with a high deductible plan. And then what we can do with the high deductible plan is put up to the income limit, not the income limit, the contribution limit, um, depending on if you're single or married. 
So if you're married, the limit is like $7,300. So we can put that much money into the account tax-free. So we don't pay tax on that money. Then if we put that money into an investment account, it grows over time at an average of 7% or more. If we put it into an S&P 500 index fund, for example, then later on when we are in retirement or even before retirement, when we spend the money in that account on medical expenses, it is also tax-free. So it's one of the only things where you can put money in tax-free and get everything out also tax-free. So if you are healthy and don't have a ton of medical expenses, I would absolutely look at um, having a high deductible health plan and then taking your HSA and putting the contributions into an investment plan and getting the benefits of that over the long run. And what that means is you aren't going to be able to spend all of your HSA contributions this year on medical expenses this year, but that's okay if you don't have a ton of bills, right? And then if you do, for whatever reason, have something catastrophic happen, your HSA is also there to cover it if you need it. Okay, so I honestly love HSAs. I think it's something people don't talk about enough. Once we cover the basic investments, then I want to start balancing investments based on your goals, based on taxes, and based on when you want to retire. So let's talk about this. Let's actually talk about when you want to retire first, because I think it's easier. We talked in episode 23 about if you want to retire early, which pretty much all my clients tell me they want to do, then we need to have a mix of assets, right? So if you put all your money into a plain old retirement account that you can't access until you're 65, then what are you going to do for money from the time you retire early until you're 65? That's where we need to think about what are your cash flow needs? How much money do you need to pay your bills on a monthly or yearly basis? And what things can you invest in that will produce that cash flow? So a lot of people immediately think brokerage accounts, which is putting money into the stock market or index funds um, without putting it into a retirement account. And so that's one way, pretty low barrier to entry, but there are no tax benefits to a brokerage account. Okay. So this is where we also start thinking about what if you want to invest in rental properties? What if you want to write a book or create some sort of online course that could theoretically, hopefully, generate cash flow, even if you are not working, right? What are the things that you want to invest in that you can access before your retirement age? And this is where we want to think about that. Okay. So then we balance maybe putting some money into a traditional or Roth IRA. Maybe we put some money into a business owner retirement plan, which I'll talk about in a second. Maybe we also put money aside for rental properties or some of my business owners buy franchises, for example, and then they don't actually run the franchise day to day. They just take the earnings from it, right? I don't actually love franchises. That's a topic for another day, but you could buy other businesses that you can put somebody in place to run for you that also generates cash flow. So we want to think about what is the mix of assets that you need in order to access money before and after retirement and start putting money into that. So if you want to buy real estate, which I know a lot of people do, I would say figure out what does my down payment need to be and how much money am I going to put aside to save up for that down payment in cash because I wouldn't put it in the stock market because if it drops 
again in the next few months, then your value of your money is going to immediately decline. I love the stock market, I will say, for long-term investing, but if you need this money in the next 6 to 12 months, I would probably not risk it in the stock market, even if we're doing really well, okay? I don't advocate for day trading for most people because 99% of people are not going to beat the market. All right, caveat. The other thing we have briefly mentioned was Roth conversions, Roth account conversions, where you can take money, put it into a Roth account, and then as long as you leave it in for at least five years, you can withdraw the principal without the 10% early withdrawal penalty, and you're not going to pay tax on it either because you've already paid the tax on the money. And so you can also mix in Roth contributions, or if you have a traditional IRA, for example, and you find yourself in a really low tax bracket in one year, maybe you take some of that traditional or IRA and convert that over to a Roth. And then, yes, you'll pay tax on that money, but if you're in a low tax bracket, you're not going to pay a ton anyways, right? And then after five years, you have access to that money. So this is where we have to start thinking about balancing the asset mix. And this is where it is really helpful, y'all. If you have enough profit in your business to do things like this, this is when it's helpful to have someone on your team to help you think through the tax implications. Speaking of tax implications, let's touch quickly on taxes in retirement. So a lot of the traditional thinking around taxes in retirement is targeted at employees, right? Not a ton of people target this advice for business owners. And so the traditional advice says when you are in retirement, you're not going to get your big corporate salary anymore. You're going to have lower income. And so therefore your taxes will be lower, right? And so go ahead and the traditional advice says, Take your tax deductions now because you're going to be in a higher tax bracket now than you will be in retirement. There is also people out there who say that, you know, in the future, we think tax rates are going to be higher because right now, like I've already said, relatively speaking, the federal income tax levels are super low compared to where they have been historically. And so, I know a lot of you probably also realize we have a huge national debt, right? We also have, I'm sure you've heard, like social security programs, Medicare, are underfunded, meaning they're going to run out of money. And how does the government get more money to pay for stuff? Well, one way they do that is they raise taxes. And so people like to say, some people will tell you, we think tax rates in the future are going to be way higher than they are today. Number one, anybody who claims to know what's going to happen in the future is trying to sell you something. So I will say maybe there's some merit to that argument. Um, I will also say the government can also produce money by printing cash, which is what we have historically done to pay the national debt. We just keep printing money, right? Does that lead to inflation issues? Yes, I'm not going to go into economics because I think that's, again, we don't need to go into that here. So just know basically what I'm trying to tell you is this. Nobody freaking can tell you whether taxes in retirement in 20, 30 years are going to be higher or lower than where they are today. And so what do you do? I think the best thing you can do is to diversify your assets, meaning 
don't put all of your eggs, all of your money into like a traditional IRA or a tax deferred basket. Don't put all of your money into accounts where you're going to have to pay tax later. Because if the people who say tax rates are going to rise are correct, then you're going to lose money by paying all that tax later. However, I would also say don't put all of your money into accounts where you pay tax now because you also lose out on the benefits that you get now. And if tax rates are lower for you or if the tax brackets stay low later on, then you're also going to lose out. And so the best answer is from Finance 101, which I took in college, and I will tell you, diversify. Don't put everything into one spot. Have a mix, okay? Whether that is a mix of stocks or index funds that are in traditional IRA or a SEP IRA, for example, and having some Roth accounts or having some real estate too or other businesses have multiple sources of cash flow to diversify. That is the answer, okay? So the last thing I'll say is sort of like the most advanced, not really the most advanced investments you can make, but the next most advanced is self-employed retirement plans. And so this is where if you are making enough profit in your business to not just pay yourself a salary, but be like the client that I talked about that had five figures to invest just halfway through the year, then we want to start thinking about, do we need to bring in a business retirement plan? The most common business retirement plans are, they're called SERPs, self-employed retirement plans, tend to be a solo 401k or a SEP IRA. I tend to recommend one of these two plans because they're the easiest. And if you are thinking about this, definitely please, please work with a tax person um, to make sure that you optimize for taxes, which account you open. So a solo 401k is pretty easy to open. It's better if you want to plow a ton of money into a retirement account, in my opinion, but it's only for you if you are the only employee in your business. You can also have your spouse as your employee, but you cannot have other employees outside of you. If you do hire people, then you would not be able to contribute to the solo 401k. You'd have to open another type of account. The SEP IRA is a really simple account to open and maintain. And so it tends to be an easy one, but one of the cons of the SEP IRA is you can only do traditional contributions. So tax deferred, meaning you get the deduction now. With a solo 401k, you have the option of opening a Roth account, which is amazing, okay? The SEP IRA is super simple though, and really easy to open. And there's no like requirements really for keeping it aside from just doing it right on your tax return. And if you have employees, you can also have your business contribute on behalf of your employees as a benefit. So I'm going to tell you what I did for my business. And please know, like there's a lot of nuance to all of this that I cannot possibly cover on one short podcast episode. What I did in my business is, I didn't open either of those. (laughs) What I did is open more of the traditional 401k account because I have employees and I also don't wanna plow all of my money into retirement accounts because of the asset mix needs that I've talked about. 
So like my husband and I, our retirement plan doesn't hinge on my retirement accounts. It hinges on us doing real estate and business deals. That's me. So I have what's called a safe harbor 401k that I use Gusto as my payroll provider. It connects seamlessly to Gusto, gives my employees the option to contribute to their 401k, and I also give them a match. This also would count for me too, like if and when I put contributions into that 401k, and I can also make Roth contributions if I want, right? I can also have my business match those contributions and I get a tax deduction. I went with that option, like I said, because I don't want to necessarily plow all of my investment money into my retirement accounts. I want to have a balance. And I also wanted to have a super easy way to give my employees an option for a 401k for their own retirement, because to me, that is one of my values is taking care of them. And so I felt like for me, the safe harbor 401k was a better option. That's not really a traditional self-employed retirement plan. That's like if you go to any big employer, this is kind. This is probably the plan that they're going to have. I could have done a SEP IRA because I have employees. But for me, in terms of ease of use and making contributions, for me, I liked the easiness of the Safe Harbor 401k. I feel like I've talked a lot <laughs> and I want to close it out with this question. How can you work towards a net worth goal today? Even if it is putting $50 at something, what can you do to increase your net worth today? And go and do the thing. Go and do the thing. And then, like I said, if you are in a place where you have that excess cash generated in your business, I think it becomes super, super important to build out your finance team and having someone on your side to help you process the decisions of how much should I keep in my business? How much should I pay myself? How much should I put into my retirement accounts? What kind of retirement account should I open? What are the tax implications of all of this, right? These are questions that I think with a business, it gets to be more complicated more quickly when you have a good profit coming in. And so instead of hoarding the cash in your bank account, I would encourage you to find someone to put on your finance team. And I would encourage you, if this sounds like something you need, go check out our concierge business tax package because this is exactly what we do only for business owners. We have an annual support plan where we sit down at least twice a year. We go through tax planning, tax strategy. We do all your tax returns, calculate all your estimates. We are there to support you throughout the whole year. And we start by thinking about these big picture questions. All right, y'all. So go and figure out how can you work towards the net worth goal today and what are the things that you can go implement and go do the thing. And I will see you back next week. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. Now, I want you to go take some action. What's one thing you can do this week to create more profit in your business? Send me a DM on Instagram at youngcocfo and share your action item with me. If you have a question or topic you'd like me to dive into, or if you're feeling empowered about taking charge of your finances, let's continue the conversation. Go to profitandprosper.co to submit a question or topic for me to talk about on the show. And because we all profit and prosper better with friends, please leave me a review on Apple Podcasts, 
Subscribe wherever you listen and share the episode. Make sure you tag me at YoungCoCFO on Instagram so I can give you some love and I'll see you in the next episode.